But I've learned one thing since I've decided to run for president. And I assume one thing. Everything about me, everything about me is going to come out in the public record. And I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. Oh, how right you were, 1987 version of Joe Biden. This, this had to be the one promise he makes good on. Dumb things, corrupt things, it looks like, weird things. Here's corruption. Here's corruption. Taking Hunter Biden in his condition to China as he was the sitting vice president of the United States and then meeting with Hunter's sketchy business associate in a hotel as he was vice president of the United States. Also, of course, grabbing women he does not know and feeling them up and smelling their hair and doing weird stuff. And uh, more recently, uh, sticking all those classified documents in the garage right next to the Corvette. Joe actually characterized, could have been characterizing his own life when he said this about MAGA, but he's really saying it about himself. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Not normal. Underline that exclamation point. You are right, Joe Biden. Your house, your summer house was searched by the FBI today, huh? Joe Biden, the FBI. I hear that the search of Joe Biden's Rehoboth, Delaware beach house was consensual. All right. Uh, I have a feeling they actually didn't have a choice. They were looking for classified documents. They spent three and a half hours looking for them. Uh, we're hearing from Joe Biden's lawyer that they did not find anything classified, but some documents they are reviewing. Whatever. Take a look at this guy who works at the White House lawyer's office. Um, seems kind of nervous, doesn't he? Seems, uh, I don't know. I, I, what do you make of this guy? Has the FBI conducted any searches of any other locations associated with the president that you or the White House is aware of? Uh, look, I think we're providing information as this goes on and answering questions about the, the search activities as they've been happening. I don't want to speak too much to the DOJ's practices in an ongoing investigation. So I can say, you know, that, that we have cooperated fully. The president's personal attorneys have provided information to DOJ. We've addressed openly and directly the uh, searches that were conducted uh, first at the president's Wilmington residence and then today uh, at the Rehoboth residence. Uh, yeah, totally transparent. Absolutely. And I'm talking really fast. And I do that when I feel like my client is guilty. I'm projecting. But <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, Joe Biden, his house, his summer house was searched. Now, Joe Biden went to that summer house uh, just a little while ago. President Joe Biden is expected to be at his North Shores home outside Rehoboth Beach for the weekend beginning Friday, January 20th. That's not very long ago, is it? He went in January to his summer house. How, what was the temperature that weekend? High of 43, low of 30. Uh, who goes to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in the winter? Let's take a look at Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in the summer. Hey, it's happening. This is like uh, everybody from the swamp loves to go to Rehoboth Beach. Uh, what does Rehoboth Beach look like in the winter? <laughs> uh, nobody goes there and uh, everybody knows it. All right. And nobody goes there. Uh, this is how the local newspaper writes, writes it up. Uh, the incredible Delaware Beach that transforms with the season's winter weather makes Rehoboth Beach feel like a ghost town. Except, I guess, when the president of the United States shows up on some random weekend in January, uh, Joe's house in January it must be very cold. It's very close to the ocean. It's like a half mile away from the ocean. Why would you go there in January? Hmm. 
uh, possibly to clean up things because you know the FBI is going to show up soon. You've been tipped off. I mean, you're the president of the United States. You hear things. And that would explain why Joe and especially Jill look so dour when they were coming back from that weekend. Take a look at Jill. She's, uh, I, think, I, I think they may have looked at all the boxes in the attic and said to themselves, we can't get this stuff out of here without anybody noticing. We've we, we got a problem on our hands. Hey, um, one of our favorites in Congress, um, Congressman Comer, he kind of is saying what I'm thinking. The arrogance of the Biden family knows no bounds. I mean, do they think we're idiots? Do they think that Joe Biden hasn't gone through the home and his personal lawyers haven't gone through the home uh, dozens of times in advance of uh, the federal authorities searching their homes? Of course they did. Yeah, so I actually I don't think they're going to get the classified stuff from that house. Maybe they sounds to me like they probably took care of it. But we have this from Kimberly Guilfoyle. Uh, she's big in the MAGA world, of course. 91 days ago, docs found at the Penn Biden Center. 43 days ago, docs found in Biden's garage. 20 days ago, documents found in Biden's home. Why did the Justice Department wait until today to finally search Joe Biden's Beach House. That's a great question, Kimberly. And I have a theory as to what's going on here. Um, now, Joe Biden was chosen by Barack Obama in 2008. It was an unlikely pairing. Now, one of the selling points that made Biden attractive is he had no real political future of his own outside of being Barack Obama's vice president. People forget that Biden actually ran for president in 2008. Actually, he was out by 2007. Gaff prone. It was a disaster. Um, but everybody knew, even Joe. Take a look at this from the uh, iconic book Game Change in 2007. This time he was ready. His wife Jill was ready. At 64, he saw it as his last chance, 64. That is 16 years ago. We'll be 16. That's crazy. Joe cannot run now. He can't run for re-election. But Joe, uh, let's face it, it's not all going on upstairs. He thinks he can be president for eight years. You know who this has ticked off? His bosses, Barack Obama and Susan Rice, I am firmly convinced. Part of the reason why Scranton Joe, Lunchbox Joe, has gone so far left is because he doesn't care about anything, and these are the people who want him to go that far left. Really, Lunchbox Joe from Scranton. Was this the guy he, he ever said he was going to be? I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. All right, John Kennedy wanted to take us to the moon. Joe Biden wants kids, boys to use the girls' room and girls to use the boys' room if they feel like it. This is, uh, this is not a working-class agenda. This is a radical left-wing agenda, and Joe's going along with it because of the power, the protection, all that stuff. But time's up, Joe. And also, what patriot would allow this to happen at our southern border, all right? He is executing a far left radical agenda, and he's doing it because he has no choice. He's compromised, and now he's on really thin ice because I do believe part of the deal was Joe, one term, one term only. But lately, Joe's been making noise about going rogue. You know, he went to St. Croix, 
which is kind of insulting, by the way, right? There's so many golf courses you could go to in America. Military bases have great golf courses. No, but he went to St. Croix down there in, I guess, the Caribbean, right? And the word was he was going to make a decision about 2024 while he was on vacation. Uh, that didn't sit too well with the Obamas, with Susan Rice, because they already made up his mind for him. And when he got back, trouble with the FBI, trouble with the documents, huh? You know, he's, this is happening to a sitting president. You know, the trouble that Donald Trump went through regarding the FBI, at least it happened when he was an ex-president of the United States. He never would have allowed this to happen to the presidency itself. FBI spent three and a half hours in a president's home. Uh, I don't think this is just about the documents. This is about more than that. And this is an Obama operation, I do believe. And all of it, of course, is what? Not normal. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, for now, I'll be right back. Hey, the big news this morning, Tom Brady calling it quits. More on that in a moment. Uh, he's leaving and she's entering. This is Nikki Haley, and she thinks she can be president. Uh, apparently it's coming on February 15th, the announcement. Republican Nikki Haley is planning a presidential run. Former U.N. ambassador and South Carolina governor Nikki Haley is preparing to announce her run for president. Nikki Haley is reversing course and preparing to challenge Donald Trump for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. <sighs> wow, big, big, big mistake. I mean, these career politicians, right? They really stand for nothing because I do remember, and I'm going to show you right now, Nikki Haley saying that she would never do what she's going to do. Still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run if President Trump ran. How about that? She's doomed. Her candidacy is doomed right here. This clip. She can't be a candidate for president. And what's the rush? She's 40-something. There's time. There's time. And what about all these dynamite things she said about Donald Trump over the years? Donald Trump has always put America first, and he has earned four more years as president. With his leadership, we did what Barack Obama and Joe Biden refused to do. We stood up for America, and we stood against our enemies. This president has a record of strength and success. Wow. Uh, is she running for president of the Brownies? <laughs> this is just and this job that she had at the United Nations really went to her head. You raise your hand when the secretary of state tells you to raise your hand. Something fishy also about how and when she left this job. She had a meeting with the president when she resigned. And uh, this doesn't make sense to me. Take a look. The main thing was I was governor for six years and we dealt with a hurricane, a thousand year flood, a church shooting, a school shooting. There was a lot. And then to come in and do two years of Russia and Iran and North Korea, it's been eight years of intense time. And I'm a believer in term limits. I think you have to be selfless enough to know when you step aside and allow someone else to do the job. So thank you, Mr. President. You, it's been an so honor of a lifetime.
I don't get it. Term limits. She didn't even do a second term as governor of South Carolina. She did two years out of four years. And that ambassador job is not term limited. Two years of a four year presidency. Weird, right? And she mischaracterized President Trump, stabbed him in the front, stabbed him in the back. Who remembers when Donald Trump condemned white supremacy? I remember it. And I'm sure you do as well. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. All right. There it is. There it is. But you had people other than white nationalists who were being treated totally unfairly by the press. Nikki Haley, in a book that I guess, I don't know, they all write these books, a leader's words matter in these situations, and the president's words had been hurtful and dangerous. I really don't see it that way. He condemned explicitly white supremacy and the skinheads and all that stuff. So Nikki Haley really wants to do this, really wants to be president. I'm telling you, these career politicians, you cannot trust them. They, when they talk, they lie. They claim credit for stuff that they had nothing to do with. This is uh, not too long ago in Las Vegas. She's trying to impress uh, assembled Jewish leaders. And she didn't impress me. Uh, granted, I wasn't there, but take a look. We made South Carolina number one in foreign investment in the entire country. And by the time I left, we were building planes with Boeing. We were building more BMWs than any place in the world. We had recruited Mercedes-Benz, Volvo. We had five international tire companies, and our unemployment had hit a 15-year low. They were referring to us as the beast of the Southeast, which I loved. <laughs> the beast of the Southeast. Uh, her campaign manager, her advisor, whoever, um, you got to get her to stop saying that because uh, it's real cornball and it doesn't work. And she's exaggerating. She's claiming credit for stuff that she had nothing to do with. Uh, let's go through it. Mercedes had plans to build in uh, in South Carolina way before she became governor in 2011. Uh, same goes for Boeing and BMW. They've been they've been doing work there since the 90s, since the 1990s. So uh, that's what career politicians do, though. I think this thing, though, about not running against President Trump, this 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 makes her candidacy D.O.A., he still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run if President Trump ran. <laughs> All right. This candidacy, if it actually launches on the 15th, will crash and burn. And a few others, too. These are the Republicans. Uh, more Republicans are gearing up to run in 2024. Let's go through it. Liz Cheney. She's got plenty of name recognition, although that's the problem, too. She is a child of the swamp, went to McLean High School. Uh, her father started a very unnecessary war, and she's generally annoying. Let's go to Larry Hogan. The swamp loves talking about him. Um, yeah, uh, give it up, Larry. I think he was the governor of... I'll get back to you on that one. But the swamp really likes this guy, and it's not going to work. Stacey Abrams is thinking about running. Uh, she does have some pros, uh, but two-time loser. And yes, she hates Georgia. What do you think, huh? I think it's looking very good for President Trump, actually. Hey, Tom Brady called it a career. And uh, 
He deserves it. He deserves to move on into something else. Look, this was stunning, stunning success. And one of the things I like about him is he's uh, the work ethic. It's it's legendary. Uh, he really, really applied himself. I've always tried to be very consistent and dependable and knowing that the team was going to get um, a certain level of performance out of me every day, not just in the games, but in practice as well, because they need to count on me and they got to trust me. You got to show up every day with a great attitude, with a great commitment to winning. You know, there's really no days off. There's an intensity to what we're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, if you want to be truly great, you got to bring it every day. It's really impressive and uh, inspiring, right? And let's face it, everybody's a little bit jealous of uh, Tom Brady and his goodbye message. A lot of class. And uh, he thanked all the people he thanked. Thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Very nice. Very nice. But when I see Tom Brady, I see hard work. Absolutely. Everything he had, he brought to the table. I also see some God-given talent, don't you? And maybe God deserved a shout-out. I don't know. I mean, that's private for a lot of people. Maybe it's private for too many of us. We don't, we don't acknowledge the greatest force in the universe who created everything and everyone and gave us, gave us, gave us everything. Anyway, good luck to Tom Brady. He's going to make more money as a Fox broadcaster, I hear, than he made as a quarterback. We'll be right back with one of the most over-the-top, kind of crazy funerals um, Al Sharpton eulogizing a man he never met for 45 minutes. And it was carried on national TV. Be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Hey, everybody. DirecTV, you believe what they did? Uh, last Wednesday, they removed Newsmax from 13 million homes. We're not happy. This is pure censorship. Uh, and this is the second conservative channel they've canceled in a year. They are claiming that they're saving you money, but that's not the case. Uh, actually, DirecTV is keeping 22 liberal news channels that cost you much more than Newsmax. And they have lower ratings. Uh, President Trump is urging Americans, if you're a DirecTV subscriber, to cancel them. He also says if you're an AT&T customer, you should cancel your cell phone and Internet service. Tens of thousands of people called them last week. You can support free speech and Newsmax and oppose censorship. Call these numbers or go to I Want Newsmax TV. And we're very grateful, actually. Uh, this letter was sent by... Ted Cruz, U.S. Senator, um, Lindsey Graham, Tom Cotton, Mike Lee from Utah. Uh, they're fighting for us, and uh, they sent this to AT&T, and they're demanding answers. Thank you, senators, and thank you, viewers. And now this. All I can say <laughs> is, is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. they don't. They don't, and they don't care. It's, it's kind of amazing what they don't care about. They don't care about 
black children dying at the hands of other black children. Um, it's heartbreaking. And these deaths usually don't make news. Now, what happened to Tyree Nichols was beyond horrible. All right. We all know that. And the men who uh, beat him up, in my opinion, they're murderers. That's all got to play out, of course. But I think we've blown it a little bit out of proportion. His funeral today, the entirety of it was live on, on CNN and live on MSNBC, national television. Uh, Tyree Nichols, I never heard the name while he was alive. Again, I hate what happened to him, but that's a lot of coverage. And Al Sharpton, <laughs> Al Sharpton never met Tyree Nichols, yet he was there and he spoke for 45 minutes, about 45 minutes. Um, and he said some, some very divisive things, some very political things, and well, that's what he does. You want to be a tough guy? Well, let's get rid of qualified immunity and see if you learn the same manners you have on the white side of town. You'll have some manners on the black side of town. And he brought his wingman, uh, Ben Crump. These are ambulance chasers. That's what they are. Uh, the two of them together, they run from scene to scene. Any case they think they can you know, harness into a racial incident, they're there. They have an act. They have a, they have a plan. And they repeat it over and over and over again. Because there's money that they can make. There is status to be achieved and, and power and power. And for those of us who have lived in New York for a long time, it's pretty appalling to see Al Sharpton lecture anybody, let alone have his own TV show on MSNBC. This guy... Uh, this guy's kind of crazy. All right. Uh, you know, we have we live in cancel culture. People are canceled for my goodness gracious, just the most minute thing. But what this man has said in public on television repeatedly. Take a look. I believe it off from the pigs. Well, they got pigs out here. You ain't off one of them. <laughs> what I believe in, I do. Do what you believe in. Right. Or shut up and admit you've lost your courage and your guts. To stand up. I would love to use love, but if I've got to use hate, I'll deal with my hand calls for. He's been involved in obviously so much hate there, but race hoaxes, hoaxes like the Trayvon Martin hoax, right? That this was an innocent kid who, uh, you know, was murdered by Zimmerman, uh, that out of control cop. None of that was true. Zimmerman was a victim. Zimmerman was uh, found not guilty. And this guy was a I'm sorry, but he was a gangbanger. Uh, that's what his life was about. And he tried to, it looks like, kill George Zimmerman. And Crump had a role in all of this, coaching witnesses and, and getting them to say what he wanted them to say, stuff that they didn't actually see. Take a look. Let me do this here. Let me have you start over just saying that there, okay? And say it loud and slow for me, okay? Okay. Okay. A one, two, three. She was just repeating back to Crump the narrative he'd said on the news. All he had was a bag of Skittles and an iced tea. It said loud and slow.
The next day, Diamond's voice went out over the airwaves. We have all the evidence now. They look for money, power, and attention. And meanwhile, children are getting killed. And too many just don't seem to care. Uh, And Al Sharpton gets to fly on a private jet. He literally flies around on a private jet. Here he is going to, uh, this is on his way to George Floyd's funeral. Can you believe that? And he's flaunting it, flaunting it. These are hustlers of the worst kind. Quite frankly, in my new book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, there is more truth in that book about race than a lifetime of sermons from Al Sharpton. Available wherever books are sold, I encourage you to take a look or at least consider it. Thank you, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Rob Carson. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings? When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word ROB to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With over 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting ROB to the number 989898. There's no obligation to make this request. Just text ROB to 989898. Uh, You see that guy in the middle? That's our reporter, newest reporter at Newsmax, John Glasgow. It seems like he's getting hassled by Antifa. The umbrellas uh, like that, that's one of their tactics, their techniques. Uh, He was outside of a hotel. Uh, The backstory here is the Watson Hotel. The city decided to put migrants, illegal migrants, into very nice hotel rooms at great cost. Somebody finally thought better of it, told the migrants to leave because a lot of them were trashing the rooms. Anyway, it's been a whole big controversy. They don't want to leave. Some of them are camping out in front of the hotel. And John Glasgow joins us now. John, uh, wow. First of all, great to see you. You're okay, right? I'm okay, yes, Greg. It's been quite the day, though. I mean, it have been out here all day. Several times we've come back and forth to have a look to see how things have changed. The migrants now have all been cleared out of here, but about an hour ago, things really got a little heated here. As you mentioned, there were some activists that were par- parked themselves out front of here, almost more activists than migrants, it seemed. And they were just looking for an opportunity uh, to target conservative media. Uh, they went around asking which outlet we were with, and then once they found out who we were, that's when the umbrellas came out, the noisemakers, they got right into the shots and just tried to ruin all of our media that we we're trying to give for the migrant story here. So it definitely got a little bit uh, more tense as the day went on. Uh, and again, more people started to show up. It seemed like it was more agenda driven than actually driven for what the cause was, which is for these migrants that are sleeping out on the street in the cold. And again, it's going to get down to 10 degrees.
freeze here uh, in the next few nights. Uh, but as I mentioned, things have changed here, Greg. You can see, look at this. Uh, all the migrants, they were right here about an hour ago. They had their bags. They had food. They had sleeping bags. They were all right here on the sidewalk. And the city has now moved them out of here. And uh, we're told that there's most of them have gone now to the Brooklyn Terminal, where the city has set up that shelter of a thousand beds uh, with transportation and, and food and bathrooms uh, for those migrant men to now stay because they're making room for uh, there's 600 rooms in this hotel. So they're going to bring in 600 rooms worth of more people, uh, migrant families, uh, to this hotel. That's the city's plan. Uh, but in the last few minutes here, we've watched the city uh, sanitation department, as well as some of the New York City police officers, cut these uh, bikes that you can see right here. There's just there's dozens of them. They're all locked up on these barricades, uh, as well as uh, right here at this, uh, these uh, bike uh, areas as well. Uh, but they've been cutting all the locks off. And we've watched people come up and try to claim their bikes. Uh, in response to this. So it's been a chaotic last hour and a half down here as the city is dealing with this uh, border crisis. As, uh, it's a sanctuary city, but they're having problems with trying to house all of these people, and the ones that they have housing for don't want to go there. They don't want to go to the city-run operation over in the Brooklyn Terminal. So that's the situation down here uh, in Midtown West, and it seems to be getting worse. But for now, at this moment in time, things have cleared up. Sanctuary City. It sounds great, but the, the practicalities are uh, complex. Hey, John, we have the moment. Uh, I want to turn up the volume and, and see you kind of well, what went down when these Antifa-type people showed up. Uh, we're going to take a look at that now. Go ahead. Trying to get through here. These umbrellas, excuse me. All right. So you can see, again, trying to fight off these umbrellas here, the, these activists have actually picked and choose which media they've chosen to do this for. So I'm going to try this one more time to walk through, and I'm getting put in. A... All right, guys, come on. Move over. Well, if anyone touches me, I believe that uh, is considered salt. Trying to get through. Sean, come on through. You just touched me, sir. Come on through. You just touched me. Let's go. You just touched me, sir. Okay, guys, walking through. Let me through. Are you try to push your way past you're me. Trying to push me. All right, I'm getting swarmed here, guys. I'm going to send it back to you guys back there in the studio. Wow. Hey, by the way, very calm, cool, collected <laughs> on your part, man. Very impressive. Um, what, what was that like? You, you seem very calm. I mean, what were you feeling on the inside? And were they pushing you, shoving you, doing anything? Uh, well, they were shoving you. Anything else we couldn't see, maybe? Yeah, I, it was a bit tense. I'll admit that. I mean, you, I don't know who these people are. I'm just trying to do my job. I'm trying to get into the, the mix of people to show what's happening or what was happening here earlier today. Uh, and they were right in my face. As soon as the camera was on, the light was on, that was their moment to throw the umbrellas up and just swarm and mob me. It is if they weren't going to harm me in any way, but they weren't going to allow me to move. And that was the situation I was in. So I did feel a little bit of comfort that we did have some New York City police officers watching this whole ordeal go down. So I was uh, had some comfort and safety there. Uh, but again, we, we didn't know who or why these people were trying to cover up uh, the scene in that you would think that these migrants that were sleeping on the street were doing this in protest of not wanting to go to the shelter that the city has put up in Brooklyn. So it didn't make sense why they were trying to 
cover up our cameras when yeah. we were trying to show people what the story was, right. which would have maybe helped some of these migrants who didn't want to leave. And again, I think you said this, but these people, clearly my sense is they're not the migrants, the ones with the, uh, the umbrellas. They're, they're, they're crazy people, but they're, they're not migrants, correct? Correct. They are not migrants. In fact, they were saying that they were representing the migrants, that they had been in communication with the migrants and that uh, they were the ones that told them to go and block the media. But when the other cameras, whether it be from local media or other national media, once they found out that it was um, uh, left news, they let them through. It was the conservative news that they were targeting, specifically uh, the, the ones that most people know. Those are the ones that uh, they were specifically looking for and trying to cover their cameras. Um, how did they find out that, you, uh, that you're with Newsmax? Did they find out? You know, they find out? How did, how did, did they actually pin you with Newsmax? You know what? We got smarter, Greg. Uh, you can see we don't have the mic flash on. Uh, we had that on earlier today, so that was the one reason they were able to identify us. Uh, they were also asking us specifically, up coming right to our face, asking who, which outlet are you with? Of course, we don't lie. We said we're with Newsmax, and that's when they called over a bunch of people and the mob began. So it was very targeted and uh, uncomfortable, but gladly it ended peacefully, we're safe, uh, but it did tend to escalate throughout the day. Uh, as we stayed here longer, they got more and more aggressive, not to the point where there was any violence, but it was just a little more uncomfortable than we would have liked. Well, uh, hey, welcome to New York. <laughs> you just moved here a couple of weeks ago, our newest correspondent, and, uh, and this is what happens. Well, quite frankly, it's very compelling television. We're glad you were there, glad you're okay. John Glasgow, Welcome to Newsmax and welcome to New York. Thank you, sir, and we'll be right back. That's Hunter Biden, the artist. This is one of the biggest scams. And we've seen a lot of scams. Hunter Biden selling this junk, and it is junk, get this, for $75,000, $500,000, some of the buyers may be people from China with links to the Communist Party. Does that sound like the Bidens? <laughs> uh, take a look at this guy, Hunter's friend. His name is uh, George Burgess. He's uh, an art gallery owner. And, uh, well, Congress wants to talk to him. The Oversight Committee, uh, they may sit down with, for an interview with him next week. This scam, we've seen versions of it over the years in other industries. Mark Simone joins us once again, the iHeartRadio talk show host. Mark, welcome. Uh, this whole thing with Hunter and the art, it can trace its origins to something else. I heard you talk about it on the radio. What, what does this harken back to? Well, back in the 1950s, early days of rock and roll, uh, you could bribe the disc jockey or the program director to play your record on the radio. So the record company would show up with $10,000 in cash, give it to them, and they'd play the record. And then all of a sudden, uh, the payola scandals happened. People got arrested, famous disc jockeys like Alan Freed, and uh, some people went to jail, and it was illegal. You could no longer show up and give the disc jockey $10,000 to play a record. So some of them got very smart, and uh, when you'd show up, they'd give you a card. You know, my uh, wife has an art gallery. Why don't you go buy a painting? And they were just junk paintings, and uh, you'd pay $10,000 for the painting. 
and then suddenly a record would get played on the radio. And uh, I know this because I've studied the history of rock and roll, and I'll bet you Hunter Biden studied it, too. And that's where he first learned of this scam. It was once the, everybody's looking at you and the law is after you, it's the way you do it. Uh, and they can't touch you for it. There's nothing they can do about it. So I think that's where he got the idea. It's pretty wild. Now, there's got to be something we can do. I mean, if they're trying to influence the president of the United States, we would, this is not spinning records. This is this is presidential <laughs> decision making. Not your I mean, your sense, though. I mean, Congress is looking at it. There's got to be some law they're breaking. Not really. And those guys got away with it back then. You just happened to go buy a painting in an art gallery. And who's to, you know, it might have been a cheap, junky painting, but it's art. Who's to say what it is? And uh, I, I hate to say it, but it looks like Hunter has outsmarted us here. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's uh, there's still some time and uh, there's a lot of stuff on that laptop. We'd love to get your thoughts on the I guess we're not calling it a raid. We're calling it a uh, I guess they were welcomed. The FBI was welcomed. It was all arranged and they welcomed the FBI to search Joe Biden's summer house. Uh, the whole thing stinks, of course. Uh, what are your thoughts on the latest with uh, Hunter and, and Joe and the FBI? Well, I seem to remember Donald Trump wasn't even in Florida. He was at Bedminster when the FBI launched a Normandy invasion in front of uh, Mar-a-Lago and came charging in, guns drawn, everything. In this case, it looks like they told the Bidens they we're going to do a raid in about four months uh, they told them the date, the time. I, I, I'm sure the FBI doesn't go around giving uh, people months' notice about when the raid's coming. And uh, uh, even Hunter, I'm sure, had enough sense to throw everything out that wasn't there. And who knows, besides documents, who who else knows what Hunter had lying around the house <laughs> that he had to go hide? You know, uh, there's this also. Uh, I don't think Donald Trump would have allowed this to happen if he was president of the United States. I mean, when they raided Mar-a-Lago, he was an ex-president of the United States. It was egregious, but I think it would have been even more egregious um, if he were president of the United States. You have to protect the integrity of the presidency. And for the FBI to do this, even with the prearranged uh, conditions, it's got to be pretty bad. And I know it's bad for the presidency. It just sets a bad precedent, doesn't it? Oh, it's horrible. And they keep saying uh, he defied a subpoena. He had allowed them twice to come inspect everything. And they did demand some things back. But the, the truth is he was negotiating with them. You should be allowed to negotiate with the FBI about returning something when they decide and suddenly to criminalize it and come charging up the driveway of Mar-a-Lago. But uh, uh, and it's not just anybody. It's an ex-president of the United States. They're his documents and he can declassify them. Some people argue, well, you, you know, you'd have to do that through a formal process. According to legal fact checkers, the even the American Bar Association's fact checkers, no, the law is he can just decide it's declassified, and it is. Hey, do me a favor. Let me see that picture of uh, Georges, the art dealer, with Hunter, uh, because this is interesting. I've been handed this. Uh, the guy wrote a letter uh, a while back. This is all the way back in March of 2015, full screen 22. My plan is to be the lead guy in China the lead collector and art dealer discovering and nurturing talent from that region. I plan to find and discover those I consider China's next generation of modern artists. OK, that's that's fine. Uh, but that would mean that he's got a, there are a lot of art uh, gallerists in the world. And the guy who's fascinated with China is the one where Hunter is selling his work. That's something, huh? 
Well, we got the finest art uh, uh, leagues here. There's the Student Arts League up the street. Some of the finest art students here in this city, you could you could pick from any of them. I, I don't know why they go to this weird gallery downtown that only sells Hunter's paintings. And, and why would they? Because they're selling. There's millions of dollars in sales. The commission must be astronomical on uh, just for that little gallery on these paintings. I think he's probably sold fifty million dollars worth of these paintings. Uh one final question. You have a kind of unique, you've made unique observations. You've had unique access to Joe Biden. You saw him in an interesting setting at a big banquet, several big banquets in Washington, D.C. You were emceeing. You saw this guy operate. Tell us a little bit about your takeaways from being in these rooms over the years with Joe Biden. Well, you know, he's one of those backslapping, big smile, flat handing presidents in the crowd. But then when he sits down at the table and everybody's away, He's just the weirdest looking guy with a weird look in his face. And you can't figure him out. Everybody, they used to call him the dumbest man in Washington. Uh, and, and he just seems very dumb, but incredibly cunning when it comes to these schemes and this money making. So it's, it's just a bizarre mixture of stupid and shrewd. I, I don't know how to read him. <laughs> bizarre mixture of stupid. I love it. Mark Simone, the one and only. Check him out uh, on iHeartRadio. We thank you very, very much to hey. be continued, and we'll be right back. They suited up. They waved to their families. And they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. And then they launched. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you know, I'm an enthusiast of rockets and space travel, but uh, somebody needs to make a wellness check. <laughs> There's, uh, uh, as Joe Biden would put it, um, this is what again? Not normal. <laughs> this is not right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates, he's sticking up for free speech and Newsmax, and we appreciate it. My fellow Americans, there is a broad effort underway to deplatform, demonetize, and destroy anyone who has a conservative America First perspective. We've seen this with Newsmax, with One America News. We saw Google worked to demonetize the Federalist. And my question is this, when did we become so frail as a country? When did we take the position that if we saw something we didn't agree with, that somehow that would dehumanize us and limit our ability to participate in meaningful dialogue? Such a great point. Thank you very, very much. When did we become so delicate? Oh, somebody else's opinion may make us uncomfortable. If people want to stay comfortable, stay in bed. All right. Um, gosh, everybody is so sensitive. Everybody has a chip on their shoulder. Thank you, Matt Gates. Everybody has a chip on their shoulder and nobody says that anymore. Remember, having a chip on your shoulder was a bad thing. Everybody seems to have it. All right. So how can you help? Uh, and we really would appreciate it. You can call a couple of numbers. Let's put them up on the screen. You can call DirecTV. Tell them you don't like what they did. Call AT&T or go to IWantNewsMax.com. Uh, we have been deplatformed uh, and 13 million homes can't see us the way they used to. And, and that's wrong. So we'd appreciate your support. And... Um, Let's get back on the air on those $13 million, 13 million TV sets, huh? 
All right. Thank you very much. Have a great night, and I'll see you tomorrow.